I am Dr. Jennifer Cottle, host of Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. And joining me today is Dr. Renee Allen, board-certified OBGYN and hospitalist. Dr. Allen is also a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, and she also holds a Master's of Health Sciences. Dr. Allen practices currently in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Allen, welcome to ReachMD. Thank you so much, Jennifer. I am so honored to be your guest. Well, I'm, I'm excited to have you. So you are an OBGYN hospitalist. And one of the things we're talking about today, of course, is this OBGYN hospitalist model of healthcare. Let's back up and talk a little bit about you personally. And can you tell us a little bit about how long you've been in practice? And then also, you know, why you chose to be an OBGYN? Well, I, I completed a residency at Emory University School of Medicine in obstetrics and gynecology in 2008. And then I immediately went on faculty as assistant professor for Morehouse School of Medicine. I was on faculty for four years. And then while I was on faculty, I heard about the OBGYN hospice model. And it just intrigued me. And so I had the opportunity in 2012 to switch over from academic medicine to become an OB hospice. And I did do that. And I've been doing that ever since. And I love it. The reason I became an OBGYN is because I am fascinated with pregnancy. I think it's a miracle just for a baby to be conceived and then to come to full term is nothing short of a miracle because so many things can go wrong during that process. So I think it's a beautiful, miraculous event. And I'm also fascinated with endocrinology and particularly with regards to reproductive endocrinology. So that's what steered me towards this field. Sure. You know, and, and we're talking about you know, OBGYN, and you've been a faculty member and, and been an academic, certainly, and now you're an OBGYN hospitalist. So it's, it's really interesting. You know, most of us think about hospitalists when it comes to internists or general practitioners, et cetera. But I'll have to be honest, as a family doc myself, I don't know that I know much about OBGYN hospitalists. Can you explain a little bit about OBGYN hospitalists, and, and these are this is new. Is this correct? Am I correct with that? That's sort of a new, or maybe not. The hospitalist movement started, you're correct, originally with internal medicine, and that was from the 1990s. And then other specialties started to look at this, this model, and it, it was ingenious. It was just brilliant. It allowed for increased patient safety and then also balancing lifestyle for the actual physician. So uh, in the early 2000s, OBGYNs started to look at this. And I think the first OBGYNs was Dr. Green and Frigolotti that they first uh, proposed um, OBGYN hospitalists in 2002. And then Dr. Lewis Weinstein coined the term laborist in 2003. And then it just took off from there. An OBGYN hospitalist is an OBGYN who focuses their professional practice on the care of the hospitalized woman. It's just all inpatient care, and you're dealing with obstetrical emergencies for both unassigned and private OBGYN patients of private OBGYN physicians, and then also some OBGYNs also then deal with gynecological emergencies through ER consults or even inpatient consults as well, too. Okay. And why did you choose this model? I mean, I, we know that you love OBGYN and you, you love what you do, but why, why for you was this an important change in practice? Why did you choose to go to this model personally? I believe in the, the goal of this movement is 
to improve patient safety and to improve perinatal outcomes. Then you also have to be pretty skilled and be able to think on your feet. So a little bit of an adrenaline junkie as well, too. So it kind of fit with my personality. We tend to see higher-risk patients who come in, especially the ones who are unassigned. We do not know. The setup is that we don't know these patients at all most of the time. We don't have any idea about their history, their background, and they come in and they are in need of our care. And it could be anything as common as, you know, just hyperemesis, gravidarum, or it could be an eclampsia patient seizing or a woman who is pregnant and has gone into cardiac arrest. We have to be able to think on our feet, and our goal is, patient safety. So it is just, I think it's going to be, end up being the standard of care. It it is just a way to ensure that our patients, our obstetrical patients, primarily, um, once they're in the hospital and they're, you know, going through one of the most important periods of their life, trying to give birth to their baby, that that all their bases are covered, especially if they are a private patient who their private doctor may, you know, for whatever reason, may not be in-house at the time when they may need them most critically. They will have, through our program, uh, board-certified OBGYN that's there on-premises 24 hours, and they're there to help them. That is our goal, is to help these patients. Sure, sure. And you did mention the concept of standard of care and becoming standard of care. So it sounds like you feel like this is the way that we're moving. This is the direction that we're moving then? Absolutely. We have the support of both the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialists. We have the support of ACOG. Uh, in 2010, actually, ACOG published uh, one of their committee opinions that stated, and I'll quote them, it says, ACOG supports the continued development of the obstetric gynecological hospice model as one of the potential solutions to achieve increased professional and patient satisfaction while maintaining safe and effective care across delivery settings. And that is, that is in essence what an OBGYN hospice program is there for. It is a safety net, a backup system. We're not there to take over the private OBGYN patients to, you know, to, to take their money. We're there to help them. And they come to us as the private doctors for many different reasons. They may ask us to assist them in C-sections. We may be there as a backup if they can't get there in time for a precipitous vaginal delivery. We may, you know, it may be in the middle of the night and the patient needs to be ruptured and internalized, and instead of them getting out of their bed to do that, then we're there to, to help them. Or it may be as dramatic as shoulder dystocia for a precipitous delivery that would have then been left in the hands of the, the nurse to do. Instead, now, as we as OBGYN hospitals, we're there to respond and to immediately be available for any obstetrical or even gynecological emergency. You know, I definitely appreciate what you're talking about and even the support statements from ACOG. I'm curious, is there is there support throughout the OBGYN community for this model? Are private doctors just feeling the same way as ACOG, as other doctors, as the laborists that already are in practice as laborists? Or is there some differences in, in views? I do think that there are some still some private doctors who you know, feel that this may interfere with the the physician-patient relationship. And that I can understand because especially when, you know, they've been seeing their patients uh, for prenatal care throughout the entire nine months, 
for them, the patient to be delivered by an OBGYN hospitalist um, instead of them, some of them have an issue with that. But we're not there to take their deliveries where there is a backup. So they can um, use us and, and, and integrate us into their practice any way they choose. If they choose to still um, deliver their own patients and have us there as a backup in case they can't get there in time, then that's what we're there for. If they choose to sign out and to let us take their call for them and to deliver their patients, if that's what they choose, then that's what they're there that we're there for too. In that specific situation, you know, looking at it from the patient's point of view, they're now going to be delivered from someone that they've never met before. Okay, because what we do is we do 24-hour shifts. We switch, and we do typically two 24-hour shifts a week. So it's a team that rotates, and it's a different person every day. In that situation, from the patient standpoint, the OB/GYN hospitalist has to be very skilled, personable, be able to engage and to be someone that the patient would be able to feel immediately comfortable with because they're going to be meeting them for the first time, you know, during that one episode, like that one time when they're ready to get their bait happen. Right, and that's actually something I wanted to ask you a little bit more about because I do think that's a very crucial sort of relationship. But for those of you who are just tuning in, you are listening to Everyday Family Medicine on ReachMD. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle, and joining me today is Dr. Renee Allen. Dr. Allen is a board-certified OBGYN, and she's a fellow of the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology. She also holds a Master's of Health Sciences and she practices in Atlanta, Georgia. So, Dr. Allen, I really wanted to pick up with that because this is the thing. I mean, how do you actually, you know, you, you talked a little bit about maybe some private docs who may say, look, I want to deliver my, my, my patients. I've been seeing them for nine months. And then you may have some patients that say, right, and you're saying that's okay, which is good. And then you have patients that say, look, I got a new doctor here. How do you weather the storm? Or maybe it's not a storm. <laughs> I shouldn't call it a storm. But, you know, talk to me about that relationship when you're coming in and you're delivering a, a, a woman that you've never met and, you know, she's never met you and then you, you, you have the privilege of delivering her, her baby. You know, how do you weather that? As I said, the private doctor who has, who's lucky enough to have an OBGYN hospice program at that hospital, because it's a way to, re- it's a recruitment tool, to tell you the truth. A lot of privates like that because they like to know that there's going to be a board certified doc there as a safety net in case they can't get to the deliveries in time or even assist them in C-sections in the middle of the night. But the private doctor, they can choose how they want to integrate the OB-GYN hospice program within their practice. If they want us to, to be very involved and to take over call from them, that's an option. They want to still try to deliver their own patients and only use us as a backup if they can't get there in time, then that's another option. In that situation, um, I'm going to tell you the honest truth. You do go in, you introduce yourself, you tell the patient why you are there. You are there for them, for that woman, and for her baby in order to ensure that they have, both of them have a beautiful outcome. I'm going to tell you, I have never, and I've been doing this for a little, almost three and a half years, I've never had a patient, once I've told her that, as to why I'm there, and that their OBGYN is on their way, but in case they can't get there in time, I am here to help them and help their baby. I've never had a patient tell me to leave. Never. Because they understand that we're there for them. And that is the whole purpose of the OBGYN hospice model, is for patient safety and for 
increased perinatal outcomes. I mean, there's been study after study that shows that this model of care, it can decrease the C-section rate by as much as 27%. It increases the VBAC rate, which is vaginal birth after cesarean. A lot of private docs don't offer that because ACOG stipulates that you have to be immediately available, which means that you have to actually be present in the hospital the entire time that your VBAC patient is laboring, and a lot of privates just can't do that. They, they can't do that. But we can offer that to their private patients because there is going to be a board-certified OBGYN hospitalist that will be there and be able to respond. So you tend to see that there's an increase in VBAC rate, a decrease in C-section rate. You tend to see that there's decreased shoulder dystocias, mortality and morbidity as a result of that, and postpartum hemorrhage morbidity um, because we're there as immediate responders. There has just been, in general, even a study by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services that shows that, you know, 30% of serious adverse obstetrical events are preventable and that with these programs that our ultimate goal has been to decrease the incidence of morbidity and mortality for both the mother and the fetus, and it has been proven study after study. So this is a model that is taking root, and actually, to tell you the truth, we actually have a society. We have a society of obstetrics and gynecologists um, hospitalists, um, SOGH, and that is supported by ACOG, and we actually are in the process down the road of becoming accredited that eventually it'll become a subspecialty. To tell you the honest-to-God truth, Dr. Cottle, there are actually two fellowships in the United States right now in which you can do one year full-time to be trained as a OB-GYN hospitalist and then afterwards get a job in that field. So that, just to let you know, that we it's uprooting and it, we, it's taking hold. Right. Well, no, I mean, it's, it, your passion definitely comes through for this model. And you've, you've stated the, the benefits very, very clearly, the scientific benefits, the, the outcomes benefits, uh, etc. And I, I think this is something that may or may not have been intuitive to a practicing physician that just doesn't know, you know. So I think this is very interesting and actually quite helpful to understand. Is there anything we didn't maybe touch on with regards to the OBGYN hospitalist model before we before we head out? Is there anything else we you wanted to touch on? I think that you were actually very thorough in your questions. I think that I've been able to relay the information that I wanted to get across to my colleagues that we were here for the patient, we're also here for the private OB-GYN as well, too. When you have an OB-GYN hospice program at your hospital, you tend to find that the, even the private docs, they don't have to, they're not, their call isn't as stressed anymore, and they don't, you know, a lot of times there's a conflict between outpatient and inpatient, and with the private OB-GYN, the majority of their time is spent outpatient. That's where they're making the bulk of their money, seeing pay clinic patients, you know, seeing 20 to 40 patients in a day. And if they're on call during that time, then, and as you know, babies come at any time they feel like it, sometimes there's a conflict between their, their outpatient patients and then their inpatient patients. We are there to help them, to help them have a better lifestyle, to help them be de-stressed. And we're also there for patient safety and improved perinatal outcomes. So that is what I want to stress to my colleagues. 
that's the whole purpose of this movement and that it is catching on and we're basically here to stay and I hope that my colleagues are happy that we're here. Well, I, I, I hope that they feel that way as well, especially after listening to you discuss um, this movement, as you call it, which it, it definitely sounds like it is one. Uh, I am your host, Dr. Jennifer Cottle. I want to give many thanks to our guest, uh, Dr. Allen, for joining us today. She's been quite insightful, and I really appreciate her sharing her insights. You've been listening to ReachMD. To download this podcast and others in the series, please visit us at ReachMD.com slash Everyday Family Medicine. Thank you for listening.